Blog Talk Radio. and around the world, streaming live on the internet, it's Real Estate Coaching Radio, bringing you the latest news, interviews, and secrets of the top producers. Hosted by award-winning real estate coaches, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio, and we are your host, Tim and Julie Harris. So first of all, an apology. Yesterday, we obviously had some technical issues, so the radio show did not happen. The topic we prepared for you yesterday, we'll be presenting today, and the topic is going to be some, uh, see, we wrote down four or five points, specific things that you guys need to be doing to prevent, to stop forever, bad home inspections from tanking your deals. Now, these points are valid whether you are on the buyer side of the transaction or the listing side of the transaction. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because we are hearing a lot of you are struggling with keeping your deals in contract. Nothing makes my teeth itch more than hearing a story about how one of you guys put so much effort into putting a buyer into contract or a listing into contract just to have the thing blow up over a stupid home inspection. So Julie and I are going to really drilling down, giving you four or five points that will make it so that, frankly, you'll never lose a deal over a home inspection again. So, Julie, welcome to today's show. Thank you so much. And this is another, you know, you said kind of makes your blood boil. I feel exactly the same way. You guys have, you know, I always joke, hopefully not blood, but certainly sweat and tears involved in many of your transactions. And, gosh, it's such an important topic. If you're going to put it in contract, you better make it close. Yeah, that's the bottom line. So, Julie, any interesting experiences from your coaching schedule today? <laughs> well, it's an interesting combination. I have agents who are very diligently working on building maximum listing inventory going into the beginning of fourth quarter. So we have a lot of listing contests going on, a lot of big pushes uh, to build that inventory. And at the same time, we've got to be really careful of how we're pricing things. Some of my, uh, and I'm sure some of your coaching clients as well, are seeing higher inventory starting to creep up and more price reductions. So we are cautiously optimistic about the new inventory and building it up to its highest levels so we can have a great fourth quarter followed by a killer start to next year. Well, Julie is kind of talking about some stuff, and unless you're kind of more of an advanced thinker in the real estate space, she kind of just talked over your head, I realize. This time of year, guys, it's July, and here's Julie talking about first quarter of 2015. What the heck is that woman talking about? Well, <laughs> she's kind of shedding light on the fact that if you're going to be a top producer, A, you have to be a, learn to be a listing agent because I think it's pretty much widely sure. known and fully accepted at this point that the richest of the rich agents uh, are listing agents. And to really have a killer year, your, your year, your 2015, doesn't start you know, January 1st. Your year... 2015 actually starts about now or more specifically at the end of third quarter leading into fourth quarter why it's simple the inventory you take the listings you take the relationships that you start the transactions that you get moving will pay you at the beginning part of the year where what sucks the life out of a lot of agents businesses is when they have to restart the year like you know talk about an anxiety you know attack oh, talk know. about the, the yeah if you have to restart the year at zero 
with no inventory, no pendings, no nothing, that is a seriously bad position to find yourself in. And, you know, the fact is it's completely voluntary. So don't think that you're, you know, rounding the bend on the year and you're going to start entering into, you know, the the height of the summer, into the fall, into the winter. Well, those things are happening. But the way you keep yourself from losing any momentum that you're building is think that the start of fourth quarter this year is actually the official start of your 2015 versus waiting until the beginning of next year. Now, the added benefit of that this year is that, as Julie said, the inventory is increasing. Inventory increasing will lead to more expired listings, more expired listings, which will be popping up when? Third and fourth quarter, at the same time that a vast majority of your competitors are getting out of the business again. They're going back into their winter slumbers in anticipation of better times in the spring. You know, we're sharing with you guys advanced coaching tips. We're sharing with you on all of our radio shows, past radio shows, and certainly our coaching students, ways that you guys can become top producers, specific take action now, make money tomorrow type things. But you'll realize that a lot of it has to do with your thinking, your mindset, what you allow, what thoughts you allow to enter into your uh, head that will then translate into money in your pocket. That is your job is to always have your mind opening for learning. Be careful that you are able to sift and sort the information that you're being fed because a lot of it, if you actually think practically about the idea that you're considering, just doesn't really make sense because it takes too long to implement. As a rule, as you're developing new ways to build your business, if you can't track it, you've got to not do it. If you can't say definitively that, you know, now I'm thinking about some coaching calls I've had today, new coaching students, mm-hmm. I, you know, we're having a ton of new private coaching students in our advanced and breakthrough coaching program. And I'll say one of the first calls I always have with folks is asking what you're spending money on now, asking which of those things that you're spending money on now are generating actual closed transactions. And that's usually where the, the call gets interesting. Because you guys don't usually track where your deals are coming from, and you don't know whether or not you know this, that, or the other that you're doing to generate business actually does generate business. You are sold on the belief that it does, but oftentimes it doesn't. And what's more is what worked even six months ago doesn't work today. There's all kinds of you know. You guys remember back when a trend in real estate? Uh, if you've been in the business as long as we have, you'll know what I mean. That. Trends in real estate used to last like five or seven years. Now they last like 24 months. So you'll have, for example, the buying buyer leads trend that started in 2007 in earnest, I think, with Zillow. Well, that's coming to an end. It's really effectiveness of those Zillow buyer leads, for example. They started to diminish greatly, what, two to three years ago. So here you are thinking that, well, I'm going to jump on the buying buyer leads trend and I'm going to buy leads from, buyer, buy, buyer leads from Zillow or Truly or whoever else. And then you start spending your money on it, and then you realize that the buyer lead quality stinks. Well, so what happens then is you're convincing yourself, well, something's wrong with you, and then next thing you know, you're convincing yourself that you know you can't be as successful as you'd hoped you'd be. So as you're starting to expand your thinking, as you're starting to expand or really embrace the fact that we're in the, new, the beginning stages of a real estate boom, and it's going to be a 7- to 10-year real estate boom, and it's the nature of the cycle, you need to really have your head screwed on straight about, frankly, the right ways and the wrong ways to build your real estate business. And it really does start with your thinking. So when Julie and I come back, we are going to be talking with all of you about, uh, frankly, home inspections. And we're going to give you four to five tips on what you can be doing now to make sure that your transactions stay in contract 
whether they're on the buyer side or the seller side. So we're going to take a real quick commercial break. According to the National Association of Realtors, only 10% of agents complete an amazing 90% of all transactions because they have a coach. If you want the production and performance that comes with being a top producer, then you need one too. Not just any coach, but the leaders in coaching today, Tim and Julie Harris. Don't just take our word for it. Listen to what HGTV star and Atlanta top producer Colette McDonald has to say. Hi, my name is Colette McDonald, and I'm with Remax in Atlanta, Georgia. I just wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to Tim and Julie Harris. I've been a coaching client of theirs for the last four years. When I first started in this business 12 years ago, I was very successful, did a great amount of business, averaged between 8 and $10 million a year. When I contracted with Tim and Julie to be my graduate-level coaches, my production increased by 20% per year. I am now trending $30 million this year. That's amazing results over four years of working with Tim and Julie Harris. I highly recommend them. Tiger Woods has a coach. And why does he have a coach? Because he can't see his swing. If you do what they tell you to, you will see huge results. I am living proof. Only Tim and Julie Harris provide powerful one-on-one -on -one coaching along with all the lead generation systems, scripts, presentations, team building, and business planning tools you need to dominate your real estate market. We offer affordable pricing with no long-term contracts, and our entire coaching staff are trained professional agents with top producing track records. Take action now and visit us online at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to schedule your free coaching call. There's no risk, no obligation, just a free, personal, one-on-one -on -one call with a trained professional coach. Join the elite 10% of agents who make all the difference in today's market. Visit freecoachingcallsforagents.com to get started. Again, that's freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Okay, we are back. Um, so, Julie, let's mm -hmm. jump right in. We're talking about basically the dreaded home inspection something that uh, you guys need to realize is often used by buyer's agents nowadays as a way to renegotiate the contract. And that is not really what a, buy a home inspection is supposed to be about. A home inspection is supposed to be something that obviously is used to give the uh, uh, buyer an opportunity to clearly understand the condition of the property, and they give the seller the opportunity to decide whether or not they want to fix whatever items are wrong with the property. But now what's happening it's the home inspections basically are used as a way for the agent to take, say, a nickel and dime dollar you know, repair and make it into something that's worth thousands and thousands of dollars just for the sake of placating um, their buyers. Now, I'm going to make a suggestion to you guys before we get to our specific points. Nine times out of ten, the inspection issues are because you guys do not know how to negotiate uh, with your sellers or your buyers. Or better yet, you're not preparing your clients for the normal, typical home inspection issues that come up with every transaction. You're letting the, uh, you're, say for example, you have a listing, and this is the typical scenario because we work with a lot of listing agents. You get this place in contract, you know, price is hammered out, home inspection happens, buyer comes back and wants another $25,000 off the price because of the condition of the property. Why is that happening? Well, is that happening because the buyer themselves 
decided that they wanted $25,000 off? Or is that happening because the buyer's agent is trying to play games and trying to basically justify their commission or whatever psychological messiness is going on? Very rarely does a buyer put themselves in contract after looking for months and months uh, on end for a property, then wanting to lose it over an inspection. It's the agent's who are losing the homes over the inspections, it's not actually the buyers or the sellers. Julie, help me explain that to folks so they can clearly understand where we're coming <laughs> yeah. from this. Well, you know, I have all these points written down. One of them says, stop playing home inspector. You know, sometimes agents sign, the, sign themselves up and their clients to have this sort of drama happen because when they walk in the house, the agent somehow thinks, and some of this is you guys that are listening, and some of it is your buyer's agents who have no coaching on this from you or us yet. Okay, So sometimes they're showing a property and they feel obligated to point out all of the things that are wrong with the house, whether the buyer really is concerned about it or not, and whether it's even accurate or not, which means the agent is guessing at the issues, which can do one of two things. Number one, talk them out of buying the house in the first place, and number two, get them all freaked out about the home inspection if they do get in contract, both of which are hazards and not really your job. Yeah, that's the bottom line. So let's work on the listing side first. One sure. of the techniques that we used in our own real estate business, and we suggest all of you do the same, is have the house pre-inspected. Now, I want you to seriously consider, and Julie, you're, you have actually, you've got a number of your clients that actually have a specific program mm-hmm. for that. So why don't you talk about the pre-inspection and the program that a lot of your clients are using um, for the sake of you know, the pre-inspection. In other words, knowing that home inspections are oftentimes deal killers, making that a non-issue right from the very start. Right. So some of my clients have gone to, they have different names for it, but some of them call it their platinum listing where they're charging a little bit more, maybe a half point or something like that. And included in that is the pre-inspection, right? So here's the idea to that. Mr. and Mrs. Seller, wouldn't it be great to know ahead of time exactly what the issues with the home are so that you can get in front of that and fix that while you're still in control? Why do sellers freak out on you when you bring them home inspection items? Because it feels like they're being told what to do. They're under the gun. They have to do something. They're out of control. Whenever your clients feel out of control, it causes trouble for you and for them and added unnecessary stress. So when you've already got the home inspection items taken care of, you know what's going on, you're in control. So there's a difference between before it's listed or even during the listing before you have a contract on it. The seller gets, say, an HVAC report back, and it shows that there's some problems with the furnace system. Okay. Well, now the seller can actually get it fixed using their contractor paying, you know, maybe they get several um, estimates, and they know exactly what's going on, then they get it certified. Versus a buyer who comes in with potentially a not great agent and a who knows what kind of inspector who says, well, you've got these three problems with your HVAC, obviously it needs replaced. Well, it might not need replaced. So keep your sellers, now we're talking about the listing side, keep them in control by doing a pre-inspection because then now the buyer comes in, they're looking at your client's house versus three others, and you've got a pre-inspection report with an HVAC certification, all the repairs done, sitting on the counter, making it so the buyer doesn't even have, to, even have to have an inspection if they don't want one, and giving you the edge versus the competition. And there are some home warranties out there. Um, I think American Home Shield, there's some others, yep. that actually had seller's coverage. And what, How does that work? Well, a typical home warranty policy, let's call it four or 500 bucks, 
I believe that you can actually start the home warranty on the house right when you take the listing, have the house pre-inspected, and have the home warranty company fix whatever's wrong with the house before you even receive a contract. Now, you guys should be thinking about everything we're telling you right now and realizing that if you're in a competitive listing situation and you're competing against three other agents that don't know what we just showed you, what we just explained to you, how much more you know attractive are you going to be to that prospective seller? All right, so here's the next thing I wrote down, Julie. Reverse, mm-hmm. well, you know what, let's do that. Okay, I talked about the home warranties. We talked about the pre-inspection. And let's talk about, because you used to do this a lot in our own business. You, you were the one that was overseeing a lot of the you know, pending stuff and negotiation stuff. When you get all unsatisfactory conditions report in from a buyer's agent on a listing, and you know there's a litany of crap that's wrong, and they're just trying to basically use it as leverage to get the price down by some, you know, say to pay a handyman to do the work, it would cost a thousand bucks, but they're asking for five thousand, which is typically, you know, how right. buyers agents to think that, yeah, that's buyer agent math. So, how do you explain to the seller, Julie? Um, and how do you get them to like? How how would you neg- how do you negotiate things like that? And how do you deal with the seller's emotions? Because the seller's feeling kind of exhausted by the process too. Right. And now here are these people coming back asking for more money. Right. So recognize that the inspections are a secondary negotiation, and don't just dig your feet in. One of the points that I wrote down was have some flexibility and don't just plan on playing hardball. You're going to have to deal with it. So acceptance is the first step, right? Um, so how I would deal with it. Well, it depends on what they're asking for, but generally we can rewind to pre-positioning the seller that, you know, they're going to ask for something. So they're not shocked and surprised and freaking out and that we can generally expect to have to fix things that are safety and security oriented. And furthermore, if we don't fix them, we're now going to have to disclose. Again, a reason to have a pre-inspection so you don't have these problems. But let's say that you didn't and now you got to deal with it. So I'm going to have at least had a conversation during the week of the home inspection before we get that uh, request to remedy. And, it, you know, obviously it's called different things in different parts of the country, but let's say they're asking for stuff on the inspection. Before we get to that point, I'm going to pre-program the seller to accept the fact that if it's safety or security oriented, they're probably going to have to do it. They may have an option of offering some kind of cash uh, to the buyers so that they can deal with it but generally they're going to have to deal with it and that they can negotiate this. Just because the buyer is asking for something doesn't mean they have to do 100% of it. Although I have found if you just present what the buyer wants and shut up, that half the time the seller will go, well, yeah, we kind of knew about that. We'll take care of that for them. Well, so this again, is what most agents really, do. But, but that's really critical, right? So drill down on that. Totally. You just said something that's well, really critical. Because we only learned that from having negotiated hundreds you know, of unsatisfactory right. conditions. And Julie just said something really important. You know, you basically are, as a listing agent, oftentimes creating the problem when you get these unsatisfactory conditions reports back in from the buyer's agents. You're the one that is essentially yeah. creating the problem by – go ahead. Yeah, well, because you, you feel outraged that they're asking for all this stuff and really insulted that you have to waste your time dealing with it, which is a huge ego reaction and not appropriate for handling your clients professionally. Though I do feel your pain on that. I appreciate that, but you still have to deal with it. So instead of putting your own opinion in there, remember we already talked about don't play home inspector. Don't go around saying, well, I guess we're going to have to do this, this, and this. You simply present and be quiet. Same can be said for presenting lowball offers, by the way, same technique. But with inspections, you just present, here is what the home inspector found. Okay, now 
I have found that when I get the report first, before I get their request for what they want, I'll just send the report over so that the seller has time to look through it because what happens is in their mind they go to worst case scenario, God, what if we have to fix all this stuff? Because probably the buyer's not going to ask for everything so that when they do ask for what they're going to ask for, it's not as bad as what the seller's created in their mind. Okay? Well, you did a lot of psychology funny, involved. But you said something funny and some, you said something mm -hmm. funny and you said something interesting. So you get an your, your listing, you get a USC unsatisfactory conditions request, right? Again, different mm -hmm. states call it different things. Buyer's mm -hmm. agent's asking for a bunch of crap to be fixed or, or a dollar amount. What do you do now? How do you handle that now? What, what I'm going to present it to the seller, and I'm going to well, see what no. their reaction is first. Right, versus whatever you're doing now. So literally, just take the unsatisfactory conditions report. It's probably going to come over as an, uh, an email. Kind of summarize it in an email, you know, if you need to. Send it over to the seller, and shut up. Don't say anything. Right. Cause, cause and I thought about happens, only about yeah only about twenty percent of the time are they going to actually come unglued. The rest of the time they're either it's funny they're going to go one or two other ways. They're going to say, which I hate. Well, yeah, but they didn't find out about blah blah blah. Right. In which case you cover your ears and go la 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 la. Okay. Or they're going to say, well, yeah, we knew about that. And uh, what do you think if we offered them some cash? And the seller's actually going to have already thought about it and work with you. And that's so much easier to deal with than putting your own two cents in. A lot of agents will get it, and then they'll, they'll say what they think should have to happen. Okay? It's just not your job sellers. to do that. Yeah, ask yeah, the I mean, Right, just throw it over their to money. sellers. <laughs> it's their money. They're going to look at it, and probably 80% of the time, if you don't say anything, they're going to say, yep. well, okay, well, let's just you know, give them a, a deducted amount, or I'll get this fixed, or right. let's you know, negotiate. Let's tell them I'll fix these five things, and the home warranty covers the hot water tank and the furnace if that goes south in the next 12 mm -hmm. months, you know, fill in the blank. So, again, you should never lose a deal over a, um, you know, an unsatisfactory conditions report. Julie said something else. When you take the listing along the way while you have the house listed, you need to be emotionally preparing the seller for the inevitable unsatisfactory conditions report, even new houses. You're going to have reverse polarity on light switch or on you know outlets. You're going to have all these other little miscellaneous things. Mm -hmm. So in every situation, you guys need to be preparing the sellers for you know the expectation that there's going to be unsatisfactory conditions, and if there's not, at least emotionally they're prepared and they're not going to be surprised. All this stuff matters, guys. You know this is the difference between right. somebody who closes ten of the ten pennings that they have or not. Now if you're on the buyer side of the transaction and you're dealing with a listing agent that doesn't have the experience with negotiating unsatisfactory conditions, you mm -hmm. might have to actually do it yourself on behalf of the listing agent. Yeah, in other words, help them out. deal directly with their listing agent. Yeah, well, that happens. I mean, we had that happen all the time when we sold Ugh. real estate. Or yeah. the other thing that might happen if it's your listing and the buyer's agent doesn't know how to deal with it, offer to talk to the buyer about it and work out something directly between the buyer's agent and the seller, opposed to allowing the emotions and the ego and all the rest of it to enter into, um, you know, unnecessarily enter into the equation. So these are just a few of the techniques. If you guys have any other added help that you need on this, request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And remember, guys, it's this small stuff that makes a huge difference in your long-term success as a top-producing real estate agent. If there's anything we can be doing for you, please feel free to request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com, and we'll talk with you tomorrow.
This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.